welcome to another MLEX podcast. I'm Laurel Henning, MLEX's senior correspondent, coming to you from our offices in Sydney, Australia, where winter seems to have kicked into full swing once and for all. Cartels are something readers of MLEX's antitrust coverage will be more than familiar with, but recent accusations that one of Australia's largest banks and a group of international investment banks had taken part in a criminal cartel has added fuel to an already very bright fire. Banks in Australia have come under the spotlight in recent weeks for a wide range of regulatory reasons, and it hasn't been a pretty sight. Joining me to discuss the latest cartel developments is James Paniki, MLEX's Australasian Managing Editor. Hello, James. Hello, Laurel. The first thing to clarify here, James, is that the charges now faced by these banks and six executives are criminal charges. So the offences alleged are criminal offences, and that's newsworthy because criminal cartel offences are a relatively new development in Australia. Yes, that's right. So criminal competition law offences have been on the books since 2009, but but it has taken a while for criminal investigations to uh, percolate through the system and officials at Australia's competition regulator, the Australian Competition and Consumer Commission, or ACCC, uh, talk quite openly about some initial setbacks in their criminal cartel investigations. Criminal cartel investigations as distinct from civil cartel investigations, obviously there have been plenty of those, but the ACCC ended up having to establish a special unit to work specifically on criminal uh, investigations to be able to bring forward Uh, the charges that the federal prosecutor could then go on and use against companies. You mentioned there that the ACCC isn't the body bringing the charges. Um, So who is and also what is the role of the ACCC then specifically here? Well, in Australia, the job of bringing about charges is the job of the federal prosecutor. That's the Commonwealth Director of Public Prosecutions. The acronym is CDPP. The word Commonwealth in this case uh, simply refers to the federal government as distinct from the state governments of Australia. And the uh, if the if the CDPP reviews a criminal probe by the ACCC and isn't convinced, uh, it's free to walk away from it uh, entirely. So the ACCC prepares the prosecution, prepares all of the material, but then ultimately the CDPP has to decide whether or not uh, it wants to prosecute the case. Now, this can be problematic, obviously, for the ACCC. I'm sure the ACCC thinks that all of the cases it brings before the CDPP Uh, are worth uh, prosecuting. Uh, But that said, at the beginning of the year, the ACCC suggested that there were a number of criminal prosecutions in the pipeline. Uh, In my estimation, I've ticked a few off the list. There are at least two or three more to go this year. But then again, the ACCC can never be 100% sure about what the CDP uh, will want to do and when it will want to prosecute these cases. And in terms of charges actually being brought in criminal cartel cases, um, like the ones that we're talking about today, these aren't the first, are they? No, but arguably they're the most uh, significant. Last year, shipping company, a Japanese shipping company, Nippon Yusen Kabushiki Kaisha, was found guilty of having a very long name as well as uh, yeah, of a criminal. Say, what a That's mouthful. right. I know as uh, as well as a criminal cartel charge so criminal cartel conduct in Australia it was fined 25 million Australian dollars that's roughly 20 million US uh, that's the second highest penalty imposed for a cartel uh, at this at that stage at least it was and these were criminal charges although not charges leveled against any individual so there was no uh, jail time on offer 
in April, there was another Japanese uh, global shipping company, K-Line, which entered a guilty plea at the Federal Court of Australia on charges of criminal cartel conduct. So that was the second. And then there's a third, which has been bubbling away since the beginning of this year. And it's a case of a rural uh, mobility device company called Country Care and also two individuals. And that's going through the courts uh, as we speak. Okay, so we've got quite a lot of background there on the the scene uh, of criminal cartels in Australia. Let's talk about the recent developments and start with the banks and the individuals involved. At the heart of the allegations are the actions of the Australia and New Zealand Banking Group, or ANZ as they're known, one of Australia's four largest banks. Yes, that's right. The other two banks facing charges are Global Investment Banks, Deutsche Bank and Citigroup. A third bank was involved in the 2015 transaction that has led to these criminal charges being laid, and that's JP Morgan. But JP Morgan has not uh, been charged at this stage. Do we know why? Uh, well, no, we don't know exactly at the moment. Media speculation has, of course, been that JP Morgan uh, must have been the whistleblower in all of this. So it blew the whistle on the alleged cartel and Mm. as a result had been granted immunity, which would be standard procedure in a case like this. Obviously, uh, immunity is granted to the first alleged cartelist to come forward. But this certainly hasn't been confirmed and we won't know uh, for sure until the trial actually kicks off next month. Uh, When I contacted JP Morgan in Sydney, they gave me an emphatic no comment as the only comment. So uh, at the moment, that's uh, that's all we know. Okay. And these criminal charges are also against individuals, correct? Oh, yes, of course. Um, six managers have been mentioned so far. The assumption is that this six is the final number, so there won't be any more. They are John McLean, Itay Tushman and Stephen Roberts from City, Michael Ormachia and Michael Richardson, both formerly of Deutsche Bank, and the ANZ's treasurer, Nick Moscati, who is reportedly on leave for now. Now, all of the banks said that they'd be defending their employees, which is, um, or former employees, in fact, in the case of Deutsche Bank. And that's obviously a very good news for the people in question. But these are all significant players. So these are all names that are well known in banking circles in Australia. One of them, uh, City Zite Tushman, is now living in London. He was City's head of markets for Australia. Stephen Roberts is City's Australian CEO. Uh, Richardson was Deutsche Bank's head of equity capital markets for Australia and New Zealand. Now, this this long list is all really to say that these aren't low-ranking employees. These are key figures in the banking industry. And the sheer scope and ambition of this action, which is obviously pursuing some very big names, is already leading to some people to suggest that the ACCC is in fact overreaching here, that this simply is too ambitious a prosecution. So the cartel charges levelled against the three banks and their managers refer to a practice that has never been tested in an Australian court, which is why this is such an important case. Tell me something about the nature of the allegations. Okay, it refers to a 2.5 billion Australian dollar share placement, which was undertaken in 2015. Now, the fact that the ANZ would issue these shares in the first place was itself controversial at the time. The bank had already concluded that in the wake of the financial crisis, it wouldn't need to raise more capital, yet it went ahead and did it anyway. And it got the three banks we've just mentioned, so Citi, Deutsche and JP Morgan, to underwrite the operation, which means that the banks would be responsible for any shares that were left unsold at the end of the process. And 
Uh, indeed, I mean, that is what this is all about, that 30% of shares that were left unsold. There's clearly something about the way in which uh, the banks managed those unsold shares that appears to be central to the CDPP's charges. So at this stage, there isn't actually that much detail available, but the suggestion is that there was basically an agreement among the three banks charged. Yes, I mean, that that is a safe assumption, although, um, I mean, I think the interesting part of this is the fact that the ANZ uh, has also been charged would suggest that these allegations aren't just really about a nod and a wink among the underwriters. Obviously, there's something more to it than that. But we'll have to wait and see what emerges on July the 3rd in the Downing Centre local court in Sydney, which you will be attending, by the way. Uh, Yes, but uh, I think more broadly, what's sometimes hard to explain to people who aren't living in Australia at the moment is just how much uh, pressure the banks are under at the moment. Mm. It's both regulatory pressure and the pressure which you've seen as well in in Sydney, the pressure of public opinion. First this year there was a draft report by the Productivity Commission, which is the government's top economic advisory body, which essentially suggested that the banking sector in this country is, you know, an anti-competitive oligopoly. I mean, those are the words that they were using. Then there was a damning report by the ACCC into the mortgages market, which again pointed to a lack of competition among Australia's top top uh, four banks mainly. And then this week there was the 530 million US dollar fine imposed on the Commonwealth Bank of Australia over its um, its disregard, its startling disregard for money laundering laws, which really, I mean, if you go through the documentation there, it was really a sort of a compliance train wreck. It was an absolute disaster. And then there's this ongoing Royal Commission into the banks, which we haven't covered largely because it's tended to be a sort of a consumer rights issue, but it has been, you know, one horror story after another. Uh, so these are, in a way, the atmospherics. This is the uh, this is the environment in which the ANZ criminal cartel case is now unfolding. Absolutely, and just to just to back you up on that as well, I think it's no understatement to say that the banks are the Australian banks are in the news, national news here every single day at the moment yep. there is there is a st- one story after another uh, one thing after another um and it really is yeah it's an intense situation nationally um so there's another criminal cartel case bubbling away in australia at the moment less spectacular perhaps than this in terms of the money involved but nonetheless something that is being closely watched yes at least it was attracting a lot of uh, public attention until the anz charges emerged but this is the country care cartel case which i mentioned uh, earlier on it's clearly much much smaller Uh, But it was groundbreaking uh, just a few months ago. It was groundbreaking, although so much has happened since then. That's because it was the first time in recent Australian history that criminal um, charges were laid against an Australian company. And it was also the first time that criminal cartel charges were laid against individual. Now, uh, in individuals, two individuals. Now, I'll spare you um, all of the details of those charges. Again, subscribers can go through our case file on this. But the allegations centre around uh, this company that sold and distributed mobility aids. So these are aids for the elderly or people who have suffered an injury, so walking frames and the like. Uh, the company is based in Mildura, which is, for those who are not familiar with Australia, is a town in the far northwestern corner 
of the eastern Australian state of Victoria. So Melbourne, where I'm speaking to you from, is the capital of Victoria. And the allegations involve other sellers across regional areas of eastern Australia. The charges are quite complicated, but among other things, they include uh, collusion on tender processes. Uh, so uh, and, and then, of course, there are individuals charged, and they are the company's managing director, whose name is Robert Hogan, and a former employee by the name of Cameron Harrison. Uh, it's taking place at a magistrate's court, which is Victoria's lowest court, and there are suggestions that it will be the whole thing will be upgraded, if that's the right word, to a federal court at some stage. But for now, the committal hearing has been postponed until the 18th of July, and it will take place in the magistrate's court in Melbourne. Thanks. So let's um, move now from Australia to New Zealand, uh, where under consideration are their own criminal cartel offences. What's going on there? The political context of this is that the uh, previous Conservative government in New Zealand had looked into introducing criminal cartel offences, but hadn't ultimately done so. Then when the new government was elected late last year, uh, which was led by the centre-left Labour Party, one of their key promises had been to introduce criminal competition law offences. Now, uh, that uh, process, so that bill is weaving its way through the National Parliament at the moment, and uh, as we speak, a committee, a parliamentary committee, is reviewing that legisla- that proposed legislation right now. But the argument for from those who are opposing this, this legislation, James, is that New Zealand is just too small for this this kind of measure. Yeah, that's right. In fact, our colleague Jet Damaso Santos wrote up a very good story based around some of the submissions made by New Zealand law firms and businesses on this front. Uh, They say that the proposed laws will be harmful to the economy, that they're unnecessary, uh, that New Zealand is a country with a relatively small economy, and that until now they've been able to deal with cartels under civil legislation without too many problems. The only voice in favour of the criminal offences um, legislation uh, came uh, from the New Zealand regulator, the Commerce Commission, that said that actually these laws were a fantastic idea, they weren't uh, needed, I mean, they're needed not just for the successful prosecutions that they might bring about, but also because of the deterrence they offer. Uh, so the, the fear of doing jail time means that cartelists are more likely to report illegal agreements promptly in the hope of obtaining immunity. Uh, and they these, these kind of laws would also help New Zealand to work with other countries, mainly Australia, where criminal offences exist already. So it would harmonise New Zealand's laws with other uh, international jurisdictions. So uh, this is playing out as we speak at the moment, although the New Zealand government, it should be said, has been quite forceful on on this matter. It has uh, advocated uh, for these laws, as has its main uh, coalition partner, New Zealand First. So they have the numbers in Parliament. There's nothing to suggest that they won't pursue this legislation vigorously. So James is going to continue to follow the development of that piece of legislation through the New Zealand Parliament. Uh, But for now, James, thanks so much. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. James Paniki is MLEX's Australasian Managing Editor, and he was speaking to me from Melbourne. And that's all from the MLEX team in Australia for today. You can read James's most recent article on this case, The Timing of Australia's New Criminal Cartel Case Will Suit the Competition Regulator, by following the link on our podcast page. And don't forget to check out other MLEX podcasts at the usual website, mlexmarketinsight.com, and go to the Insight Centre tab and select Podcasts. From me, Laurel Henning in Sydney, and James Paniki in Melbourne, thanks for your company today. See you soon.
Goodbye.